Hey guys, welcome back to another episode on the Guide Me Glow podcast. I'm so excited for this episode because we have our first special guest on here. I've never had a guest on the podcast, as you guys know. So this season, I'm really trying to introduce more kind of experts in the field and just have conversations with people who, you know, are like-minded and I feel like would provide a lot of value for you angels. So today we have Heavenly here. She is the owner of the restaurant restaurant Bodhi which is a plant-based Asian restaurant here in Sydney Um, it is honestly amazing I would definitely recommend you guys check it out I will leave all the details of everything in the show notes so you can go and check it out and yeah follow heaven and follow Bodhi as well but we actually had such a great conversation and I honestly feel like this episode it got better as the conversation was just flowing through so definitely try and listen to the whole thing we talk about obviously how she started the business her background formation um, her biggest challenges as well of owning a business and how she kind of created balance to kind of take care of herself as well as owning a thriving business and balancing with her life and her kids and husband and all that and then we also talk a lot about spirituality and how really trusting the universe and building the self-love within yourself is the key to it all building self-confidence is obviously a heavy topic that I speak about on this podcast so we speak about that and heaven's journey on her own self-belief and how it's helped her in her business and just life in general Um, and then at the end we also talk about how she met the love of her life which is honestly so cute and how that actually happened as well because I feel like you guys would be able to relate to it a lot whether you're in a relationship or not so without spoiling it all we're gonna get straight into the episode welcome to the guide me glow podcast i'm your host shannon tang and i'm a holistic health coach that is here to help you become your glowier self mentally physically and spiritually i'm a lifestyle and wellness content creator and founder of the wellness platform guide me glow in this podcast i share my journey and knowledge on all things self-development manifesting confidence healing your relationship with food and body and so much more follow for weekly episodes to listen to on your glow girl walk hi welcome to the guide me glow podcast i'm so excited to have you here i'm so excited to be here yeah have you done like a podcast interview before I have. I've done a couple of these. Um, I do get asked, uh, particularly around the plant-based stuff. So mm. people are very interested in that sort of holistic lifestyle. So it's always fun to have a, a, a natter about things. And it's always interesting to see where these conversations go, because they don't always end up where you expect them to. Yeah, no, exactly. I think especially for this episode, obviously I'm going to ask you questions about like your body and everything like that. But I really want to see how like deep you can go in conversation as well. And I really want this to be more of like, yeah, just like a conversation between us two rather than just straight question and answer interview, you know. We always start our episodes with an affirmation of the week. Um, So I want to ask you, do you have like an affirmation of the week that you can give our listeners something that's inspirational, you know, start the week on a good foot? 
Yeah, look, something that someone told me once, I'm not sure if this is going to be a great affirmation or not, but off the cuff, um, one of the things that I always say to myself is this too shall pass. So someone said that to me once um, when I had my first child. Whenever you're going through a tough time, whenever things are getting a little bit difficult, you just have to say that mantra to yourself that this too shall pass. Everything in life works in a cycle. You know, one day you're good and then the next day you're not good, but everything always cycles back again. So, you know, those moments that you're having um, in life that can be really, really tough, just to remember this will pass and you will come through this onto the other side. So that's probably something I say to myself on a regular basis whenever things get a little bit rough on my end, whether it's kids, work, um, you know, life stresses. I just have to say to myself, this too will pass and I will come through the other end. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that information. I think it's something so important to remember too, because I think at the time, you always think it's such a bigger deal than it actually is. Like, but if you look at it from the bigger picture, and then if, even if you look back at situations, like it always does work out for the better. Oh, 100%. Um, I remember years ago, I went and did uh, a retreat. And we'll probably talk more about retreats later on because I'm obsessed with them. Oh, and one of the first things they taught you when you or asked you to do when you did this retreat was to write a letter to yourself. And what they would do is they would keep this letter and they posted it back to you a year later. And so in the letter, you would write where you were at in your life, you know, what your goals, what your aspirations were, what challenges you were facing, what you hoped to achieve. Um, And then 12 months later, they would mail this letter back to you. And I remember the first time I did that and I read it, how much further along I had gotten than I actually realized I had gotten just because I was able to sort of look back and see what all my goals were and what were the things that I was really struggling with at the time. And I guess that all ties into that whole, this too shall pass. And sometimes you don't realize you've come through the other end until yeah. you. Mm. Oh my God. I love that idea. That's such a good, that's so good. It's like in school when you have those time capsule things, yes. you like put something in and then you bury it. And then like at the end, you like see what you buried. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. That's such a great idea. And like just writing like letters to yourself in general, like in your journal and looking back and mm. seeing how far you've come. I feel like that's such a good way to actually track your progress because I think a lot of the time you don't actually realize how far you have come and yeah. you think you haven't moved at all until you actually compare it to where you were say like a year ago or even like a few months ago you're like wow exactly. like I've changed so much already well you're so busy living in the mm-hmm. day-to-day you know moment and surviving and doing all of those sort of things that sometimes you can forget how hard things were and you know what you were going through at the time and sometimes you also forget that you set these sort of mini goals for yourself and actually you've ticked those boxes without even realizing it. So it's really good to look back at that. I think there's something else that I think is really good um, for that uh, kind of sort of affirming behavior is to also mentor people as well. So sometimes you don't realize how much you've learned until you're mentoring somebody who's maybe going through a tough time and you're like, okay, I went through this, I've achieved this. um, And you too will get there eventually if you sort of do the work and, and, you know, the self love and work and all of the things that you need to kind of do to get to that space yeah definitely and actually the best way to retain information and learn yourself is to teach it to people because then you do it in your own way so then you're more likely to remember it but also having a mentor I think is so important and like I like I want to get a mentor myself because I haven't like had one before like even with business and I guess just in life in general but like having a mentor to keep you accountable I think is so important 
I think it's a great thing for anyone to have. And, mm. and you can have so many different types of mentors as well, you know, whether it's a life mentor and it can be something that you gain from a friendship. It can be something you gain from a colleague. It could be something that you gain from somebody that you admire in either a business sense, you know, who might be willing to mentor you through some of the, you know, the things that you need to um, get through to be successful. Yeah. All right. So should we get kind of into the background of you so for those listening, Heaven owns a restaurant in Sydney called Bodhi. It's a plant-based Asian restaurant and it's, I can confirm, amazing. <laughs> I've been there many times. No, because when I first moved to Sydney, I remember hearing about it back in London. I would see people posting about it and like me being me, I was like researching all the vegan places because at the time I was vegan. And yeah, I came across Bodhi and was so excited to try it. And I think it was one of the first restaurants that I actually tried when I came here. And went for dinner and like I remember this yeah it was amazing and I remember the certain dessert it was like incredible as well so if you want to tell us a bit about I'm such a beauty if you want to tell us a bit about you know how it started and like the reason behind it and like even the name yeah so my family started the first Bodhi restaurants my grandfather was in restaurants my mom started the very first Bodhi um, and it was kind of out of necessity. So it wasn't the normal road that you travel to opening a cafe or a restaurant. Um, mm. For her, she actually had a totally different business. Um, at the time, I think she was working in immigration and she had an experience where she met a Taoist monk who introduced her to vegetarianism because back then veganism wasn't as big a thing. And I guess through that experience, she realized that there was really nowhere for a lot of vegetarians and vegans to go and eat. Um, and my mom is actually not a great cook, believe it or not. She's for an Asian, most Asian moms are amazing, but my mom is like the worst cook in the world. So I guess when we first became vegetarian and vegan, I remember my grandmother saying, oh my gosh, what are you going to feed your child? You're going to starve if you go vegan. Um, and so my mom was like, doesn't matter. I need a chef, but we can't afford a chef. Well, if I had a restaurant that would pay for the chef and I'd be able to eat there every day. So it was kind of this weird circular reasoning. Yeah behind opening the very first Bodhi, which was in Chinatown. And then from there, we kind of grew to seven different plant-based businesses, restaurants, cafes, pie manufacturing and distribution, convenience stores, homewares. We kind of did everything within the plant-based space. And I think for a mom, she kind of, she grew and overexpanded and did too many things. There was just, you know, the whole world for her to conquer. Um, and that's sort of when she kind of got into a little bit of trouble. And I'd sort of grown up with sort of restaurants in my family background. Um, and so I came on board and did the first restaurant. Well, actually, I had a couple of shops before that. But my first Bodhi restaurant was in 2000. Um, and so that was the one in Cook and Phillip Park, which still is there to this day. And then she retired and sold off all her other businesses and I retained the main restaurant yeah. and then doubled in other things. But the name Bodhi, um, the name Bodhi is a Sanskrit word, which means enlightened. And it's the name of the tree that Gautama Buddha sat under to obtain enlightenment when he did his meditation for many years. And oh. so that's where the name originally comes from. Yeah. So it sounds like. So you, were you brought up being plant-based from your mum? Uh, no. So I never ate a lot of meat as a child. I was a very particular eater. Um, so I think I would have a little bit of chicken and I don't think I ate any seafood. I didn't eat any red meat. I was 
pretty close to being vegetarian, apart from probably a little bit of chicken. Uh, and so it was pretty easy transition to go plant-based, but my mom went vegetarian when I was about 11, 12 years of age. And so that's kind of when, you know, we gave up all of the meat in our house as well. And then from there, it's been these evolutions of vegetarianism, veganism. Um, you know, we've tried everything from fruitarian through to raw foodist, um, you name it, we've probably tried it. I know, I feel like veganism is quite mainstream now, but even like five years before, it definitely wasn't. And there were so many like different diets that people would try, like raw vegan or like high carb vegan or water for like such random things. But I think now we've come to a place where it's just so, so balanced, right? And like, it's just more about like intuitive eating, how we feel. But it sounds like your mum, did she have like kind of like a spiritual journey that inspired her interest? you know, into vegan food and then kind of inspired you guys too? Yeah. So for her, it was definitely a spiritual journey. And I think like I tend to use the word plant-based because I think it covers so many more different types of plant-based eating. I know that vegans get a little bit upset if you use the term vegan because that's more of a lifestyle which incorporates everything. Um, So I feel like plant-based kind of covers a lot more bases. But um, yeah, for her, it was definitely a spiritual journey as an entryway. For me, it was more ethical, uh, you know, and also I didn't really particularly love meat. So it wasn't a difficult transition, but it has been difficult to maintain over the years. So, you know, sometimes I'll find, uh, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, I've found myself going, you know, sometimes to dairy or I'll have honey in my diet. And sometimes I'll have eggs farmed Mm. from my mom, of course, not from um, factory farms and stuff like that. So it hasn't been a straight line for me. Um, And I think that's a common story for a lot of vegetarians and vegans. But I also think a lot of people beat themselves up over the fact that, oh, you know, I kind of fell off the plant-based wagon and and so forth. But I think you have to be really kind and gentle to yourself. And it's all about your intention and that you're constantly trying your best. But, you know, you should also at the same time, I have to tell people, they shouldn't force it either, you know, because that can have uh, a negative effect on people's health as well. 100%. 100%. I love how you kind of explain how it hasn't been like a straightforward journey because I think when I first went vegan it was mainly for like health and then I kind of you know found out about the animals and like the environmental factors of it and that's kind of what kept me vegan but then when I would accidentally eat something that wasn't vegan I'd feel so bad about it and like beat myself up about it but now I look back and I'm like you know it obviously wasn't intentional and like life is it's going to be so hard to be like 100% vegan or plant-based your whole life and then even listening to my body when I started introducing more um like eggs and like fish and things I just try and be more sustainable about it and I think that's the main thing is just trying to be more sustainable but still kind of listening to your own body and what it needs yeah no definitely I mean anything done in excess can be damaging to our health, you know, so everybody is totally different. How you digest food, how I digest food can be very different. An example would be my son, um, when he was very, very small, got incredibly sick and we ended up in hospital because he was really struggling to convert iron from plants um, in a way that his body would be able to sustain. So his iron got depleted so severely that it changed the shape of his blood cells. And, you know, we ended up in hospital and that was a bit of an aha moment for me because I had this sort of vision and idea in my head that 
well, I'm vegan, therefore my kids are going to be vegan. And what I didn't take into account is that, you know, maybe their bodies are going to be slightly different from mine and they're going to find it harder to adapt to a 100% vegan diet. And so I really had to listen to what his health needed at the time and maybe give up a little bit on some of, you know, my ideals of what I thought my diet and what I thought my children's diet should be. I had to adapt that and that was quite a difficult moment. But at the same time, I'm glad I did it. And interestingly, as he's gotten older, it's easier for him to eat more plant-based food than it was for him when he was very, very small. So you really have to listen to your individual health. Yeah. And I guess it's finding the balance between like what you think is right for the environment and animals, but then also what's right for your own health. And especially I can imagine as obviously a growing child, you would change so much about like what you need. Whereas like as adults, I think, you know, you've had... I don't know, you kind of know what diet works for you. So you're, you can like chop and change things a bit easily. But I think as kids, you need to like experiment for yourself as well. A hundred percent. And your children are, are, you know, are totally reliant on you for the nutrition that they're eating. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be very careful because you also don't want to damage their growth. And, you know, um, at the time when my son was very little as well, there weren't any doctors around that we could go to that specialized in a plant-based diet. Um, and so it was really challenging to find a pediatrician that was yeah. able to support us and our journey. And I was very lucky that I had a GP who was really open-minded about um, plant-based living. So, you know, he was like, look, we could try this or we could try that and let's see what works. And we tried supplements and we tried, you know, different options for him. And unfortunately it didn't work. So I had Mm -hmm. to go back to giving him small amounts, um, which seemed to do the trick. And with his blood tests, he came back to normal. And, uh, you know, that was a huge relief for us. And, and, um, and then he's now he's great. He's, more active than any other child I know. Thriving. <laughs> exactly. So how has vegan food become um, a lifestyle and how has it inspired your cooking and also like the meals on the menu? Oh, well, so look, vegan, it, it's, it's the central line in everything that we do at the restaurant. So that's our first, our core value, right? It has to be plant-based. Um, how it's inspired us is to try and find ways of making vegan food interesting and fun and accessible for people who are not vegan. I think that's kind of one of the ethos of Bodhi. We definitely feed a huge portion of the community that are vegetarian and vegan, but our goal is to always astound and wow and excite those that are not in the variety of food that we have on offer in this country. And, you know, like the UK, Australia is very, very lucky. We are spoiled for choice when it comes to fresh produce and whole foods. Um, And there's a real big push for that in the food industry. So, you know, it's really fun to kind of incorporate all of those things into a menu and especially to see meat eaters who come in and go, do you know what? this is actually quite nice. Um, It starts with things like, you know, sometimes it's faux meats and and then it sort of evolves into, well, how do we celebrate just the humble vegetable without even having to use the faux meat side of the industry? Mm. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's sort of what inspires us regularly. Yeah. And I think a lot of people love that more so how they like celebrate veganism and plant-based foods as it is and just have like the vegetable side of it. Because I think a lot of people like, 
well people that aren't plant-based they might be like oh like I don't want to eat I don't know say like a burger. <laughs> or like a burger that is with fake meat because they obviously have that option so they go to a vegan restaurant they want to have something that's made from vegetables or like mushroom you know that that kind of thing yeah. so I think yeah. like celebrating that is yeah you have to you have to give variety and choice for every type of eater out there like yeah. you're, you're never going to make everybody happy 100% of the time but your goal is to make as many people enjoy the food as possible uh, and so you know you do you have you've got the very heavy carnivores some of them love to come in and do the faux meat some of them don't they want to try something totally different mm-hmm. and you've got vegetarians and vegans who are the same some of them really miss having you know meat protein and so for them that's their naughty little treat and then there are others who are like oh I just don't like the flavors and the textures and so they just want to have something you know a little bit more just straight vegetable based so it's important to have a lot of variety on a menu and even when ordering if a customer orders a you know a full course menu at the restaurant our waiters will try and advise them you know don't have too much of this because you maybe you're picking too many fried items you kind of want to balance it out with some fresh sort of seasonal greens and and so forth so everything we try and do we try and do with some kind of balance yeah I think that just kind of relates to life in general right like having balance exactly but um going more into I guess the business side of things um what would you say the biggest challenges of owning a business and what does balance and creating peace in your life like how do you kind of balance with you know obviously the hard working business side of things but then creating the balance of living your life and like still having that self-care regime in your life even with family and like yourself gosh it's it's a never-ending cycle isn't it I mean we're always chasing it and it's um trying to find balance is, is one of the hardest things and there's never it's it never feels like it's perfect um, and that's something I always have to tell myself, don't beat myself up over the fact that, you know, not every quadrant of my life is on fire and doing well at that moment. You know, yeah. sometimes my work will take more of a focus and sometimes my family will take more of a focus. So it is hard to strike the perfect balance, but I think it's important to always try and strive for that some kind of a balance. And to also remember that self-care and self-love is not a bad thing because often as a mom, you'll put yourself last on that totem pole of importance Mm. and you'll put your kids first, you'll put your partner first, you'll put your business first, and then you end up burning out at the end of the day. And that's no good for anybody. I mean, it's, what's the saying? My husband always says, happy wife, happy life, you know, that's (laughs) Yeah. And it's kind of true, you know, so long as mom's doing well, as long as I'm ticking over and happy and feeding my soul and feeding my happiness, um, then I'm able to give the best of myself to my family and my kids and, you know, my business and stuff. So, yeah, I think finding a balance is really important. How do we do that? Constantly checking yourself. I mean, you know, do you have to always ask yourself that question? Like what's missing? What what needs? Um, I do need to be fulfilled at this point and stage as well. So I'm constantly checking myself. Am I giving enough of myself to the people around me? And most importantly, am I giving my, enough of myself to myself too? I yeah. think that's no, sort of really important. How do you find balance? 
Yeah, it's a sometimes it is a difficult one because yeah, sometimes you might be putting more effort into work and your business, but then you kind of forget about some other self-care things which are so important. And then sometimes you might hit a point where you do feel a bit burnt out and you're like, okay, it kind of makes you realize like it's so important to embody the practices of like the self-care habits. Like for me, it was always checking on myself, like every morning I will always create time for myself. And whether that's journaling, meditating, just having that routine and time to myself, because otherwise I feel like if I don't have some time to myself in the day, then I don't have enough energy to give to others and all like my mind is somewhere else and I'm not present. So really creating balance. I think it's just, yeah, being mindful of how much time I'm giving others and to myself for sure. But then also like finding the balance between, I was in a yoga class last weekend and the teacher was saying about finding the balance between ease and effort which I loved because it was like saying how obviously to get to where you want to be you have to put in effort but then at the same time you also need to find ease within it because you know when you have those moments when you're putting in so much effort but it just feels like you're forcing it and then Mm. it just doesn't work out or like maybe it does but it just you know like it felt so hard to do whereas if you just kind of like let go and put in the effort that you that feels good but just kind of like trust and like yeah trust and surrender then that usually is what kind of brings the best outcome yeah are you are you similar to me I find that I need some kind of a routine on a regular basis like when I start missing those boxes that I'm supposed to be checking like what you just said journaling is a huge part of that you know some time Mm -hmm. to do either my yoga or my meditation practice if I start missing that on a regular basis, I really start to feel like I'm just <laughs> kind of trying to there. And I'm <laughs> like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or I'm, or I find I've thrown myself into my work and I've stopped, you know, I've stopped feeding my soul in certain ways, whether it's your weekly affirmation and so forth. So I'm, it sounds like you're, you and I are quite similar in that sense, having that little set time and set routine and is, is such a huge, um, um, hugely, hugely great thing to be, you know, yeah. to with your life. Yeah. And hundred percent having a routine. Like when people hear having a routine, they might be like, oh, but that's like boring, like being so routine every day, but it actually isn't. And it doesn't need to be like the whole day needs to be on routine. It just needs to be some part of your day. And then that allows you to have space to be like spontaneous and do other things during the day. But when you have some sort of routine, like for me, it just helps me feel like grounded and just more intentional. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's, What's your star sign? Leo. What's yours? Oh my God, stop. Same. <laughs> what's your, do you know your moon and your rising? No. How do I find out my moon and my rising? So you have to know the time that you were born. And then I have this app called CoStar that tells me um, my moon and rising. But so my a sun is Leo, my moon is Leo, and my rising is Virgo. So I'm like, maybe that's the Virgo in me. Like I need routine and I need like to be Ooh. organized. So I wonder what yours is as well. But that's so that's so interesting. I feel like I've been attracting so many Leos in my life recently. Oh, have you? I know it's funny. I'm surrounded by Leos as well. But I love. I just get on so well with other Leos. I feel like yeah. there's a vibe, and I just have so much fun with them. And you can go deep, or you can keep it light and fun. So yeah, everyone should have a Leo friend. <laughs> yeah, everyone should definitely have a Leo friend. I know that's such a Leo thing to say. <laughs> totally Leo thing to say. I love that. We'll just give ourselves some props yeah, here. Right. <laughs> if you know, you know. 
<laughs> and every other Leo out there will be just going, yep, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with you. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, oh my um, goodness. Okay, so what is one advice you would give to your younger self before the success of Bodhi to increase like your confidence and persistence? Because I can imagine, you know, as any business, it probably just wasn't a straight, like linear yeah. to success. I'm sure there was many journeys and ups and downs. Oh my goodness. Uh, there are a lot of things I would tell my younger self a, a lot. I could probably write um, a book about how many things I would tell my younger self. But I think something, <laughs> yeah, something I would remind myself is your greatest challenges um and adversity will become your greatest strengths um and so you know to take those lessons and to just sort of live through them and work through them and this kind of ties back to that these two shall pass because it does eventually uh, and you do get through things and the things that you went oh I can't believe I'm going through this right now this is the worst moment of my life you will look back at those moments and you will use those moments as a stepping stone to your greatest moments if that makes sense yeah sort of thing so I think that is something that sh- that can apply to anybody I, you know the the times that I've been on my knees the times that I've questioned everything about my life where I'm at who I am you know all of those things why am I doing what I'm doing those deepest darkest moments have become my greatest strengths in life um you just have to get through to the other side basically and it feels like you're not going to during that moment during that time and then I think that's sort of I guess what builds resilience right because you look back like even with COVID when all of this sort of started happening I had been through a very, very rough time in my business in the early 2000s. And so I had that as a a comparable. I was able to look back, you know, 20 years and go, is this as bad as it was then? Uh, It's bad, but it's not as bad because that was pretty deep and dark. I survived that. Well, if I survive that, I'm going to survive anything. So therefore, I think it builds that resilience. Um, And it also just gives you life lessons as well. You know, you kind of go, oh, I know how to deal with this because I've dealt with that before. And so over time, those um, hardships become your greatest assets. Yeah, I truly believe that like the hardest things that you go through are is like what sparks your self-development and growth completely. Because it's like if you didn't go through those lower times, obviously it's not pleasant in the moment, but you wouldn't ever like progress and become better because things would always just be the same. No, exactly. And I and I think the other lesson I, I've learned growing up as well is to understand um, what your purpose and your intention is. You know, so what is when you do something, what is the intention behind what you're doing and what is yeah. your purpose? And I think that's one of the hardest questions to answer sometimes. I mean, there are some people in life, I, I don't know if you're one of those people, but sometimes in life you meet people who are, you know, just they were born to be ballerinas or they were born to be a pianist or they were born to be a musician, a singer or an actor or whatever. I don't think I was one of those people that was born to be any one thing. So for me trying to discover who I am and what is my purpose here was a really tough thing to, to try and find out. And I think I'm still trying to discover what my purpose is to this day. And then once you sort of have a better understanding of what your purpose is, then you can sort of start um, doing things with intention behind why you do things. Yeah, that's so true. How did you feel like you, what helped you kind of discover your purpose? 
I think the thing that helped me discover my purpose was realizing that when you do something, if you do it in the service of others, um, it becomes something greater than yourself. And so, I mean, there was a period in time when I didn't want to do the restaurant anymore. And I was like, uh, you know, I was just, I was tired. I was burnt out. I was exhausted. Um, And I think the thing that kept me going was knowing that what I was doing was not just for me. Like I didn't have to do the business anymore. I did it because I knew it was in service to a greater good. So whether it was a greater good through veganism, whether it was through servicing some of the customers that we had. So like we get a lot of people that come to us with really chronic health issues, cancer, all sorts of different things. And so what we're doing is we're feeding and we're nourishing and we're nurturing these people through food. Mm. Um, And so I, you know, and I guess I always had this weird thing. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but I have this really weird thing. Whenever I'm going through something that's quite tough in life, it's almost like the universe puts somebody in my path um, that makes me reassess what I'm going through and um, re sort of sets my direction, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, for example, you know, I was having a really tough time at the restaurant and I met this really interesting guy uh, who had been an ex-restaurateur and he was his, his current job was feeding homeless on the street. That's what he did. Mm. And through meeting him, it kind of made me reassess what I was doing and where I was going. Another example would be, you know, the time that I considered stop stopping the restaurant. Um, I had a customer come up to me who was a cancer survivor who had been a customer from my mom's days and wow. said, I've been coming to this restaurant now for over 20 something years. My kids, I've had every anniversary. I've had every birthday at this restaurant. You know, my kids come to this restaurant. My grandkids come to this restaurant. And I'm like, oh my God, this is a multi-generational business. I can't stop what I'm doing. It's servicing a community of people here. So yeah, yeah so that's probably one of the things. Don't yeah. start me. I'll just rabbit on about. <laughs> no, wow. That's so interesting and amazing to hear because, you know, it kind of just proves that with like having a restaurant and just food in general is more than just the food, right? It's like all the memories that it brings, the emotions that people feel like when they have the food or like in this certain environment and like it brings people together. Yeah. So amazing to hear that. It's it's a, it's a way of food has always been a great way of connecting people. Yeah. You know, I never thought what I did was that important. I, I, you know, I remember going on a trip once and I, um, one of my husband's business trips, And I was in a room full of people who were incredibly intelligent, you know, leaders of their fields. I mean, you know, head of robotics for Asia. I mean, we're talking about scientists. We're talking about thought leaders and stuff like that. And I'm sitting here going, oh, God, I'm just a little restaurateur. Um, And I was talking to this lady who was sitting next to me on a bus and, and she was, we were part of a group. And she said, you know, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, you know, just a little restaurant kind of thing. And she was like, oh, tell me more about it. And I mean, this woman was amazing. She was um, a scientist who was a leader in her field. I mean, the things that she'd worked on, she told me about were incredible. Mm. And so I kind of felt really small next to this lady. And so I told her about veganism and, and why I did what I did. And she said, never, ever put yourself down and think of yourself as just a restaurateur. You are helping change the food industry because it's not just putting food on the plate for people 
what you sell dictates to growers what they grow. Um, And a great example of that is, you know, years ago, I wanted to do vegan wines and there were no vegan wines on the market. So I was like banging on doors of winemakers saying, listen, I need you to make your wine vegan. And it took years to convince some of the winemakers that we work with that um, they should, you know, drop the Eastern glass from their wines and make them vegan. And slowly over the years that that changed. And now vegan wines is a much more common thing. So, you know, we showed them that there was supply and demand there. And if they were to make this product, we would be able to sell it for them. So I guess we aren't just putting food on the table for people to eat. We're also changing the way industries are farming. So. That's yes. incredible. And yeah, I can imagine you can get so much insight from, you know, customers that come and like from what they request and what they yeah. want. You're able to take all that information into brands that you work with and yeah, like just in the industry in general. So no, it's definitely, definitely much more than just owning a restaurant. There's so much I can imagine that goes behind yeah, it. Yeah, and it's funny. It took somebody else telling me that for me to mm. realize <laughs> that yeah. Yeah, you're right. We actually, you know, we're out there with the growers. We are telling them what the customers want and what they need. We are sort of at the forefront of changing food trends and so forth. So, you know, it does go to show that sometimes you don't think you can make a difference, but actually one person can make a difference. One business can make a difference. So yeah. How do you think that you've grown confidence in yourself with that then? So even, you know, obviously as a businesswoman, but did you ever experience things, you know, going into things like that? Would you ever feel like imposter syndrome or feel like, oh, like I am not important as this person? Like what has helped you kind of grow your confidence and be like, actually, like I do give value in whatever situation I'm in and like I'm not going to compare myself I literally had this conversation with my partner the other day I you know I was saying to him when was that point when was that moment that things started to shift because I think what you touched on there was really important that imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I felt like an imposter for so many years maybe because I had not had formal chef culinary training Um, maybe because I'd come from a family business as opposed to the traditional, you know, worked in a restaurant, trained under this person, trained under that person. Of course, I did do that as well. I went to London and and worked for some really great restaurants over there and, and sort of tried to hone my craft a little bit. But there were many years where I felt like I wasn't, you know, um, I guess I wasn't who the world thought I was and, and that was that was a hard thing to kind of overcome. I don't know when the moment was where that changed. I think there's a sense of experience that leads to gravitas, if that makes sense. You know, that comes with time. Yeah. You get to my age and you kind of, you know, that seems to come naturally. Um, but, yeah, it is definitely, there has been a shift. I think it was sometime in my 30s that things started to shift for me and I started to, feel like people were able to listen to me. I think the reason it was also harder for me was I was young, I was female, I was in a male-dominated industry. Yeah. Um, cultural food that is also a very male-dominated culture, right? Like Asian culture, we tend to look up to the men and all of that kind of thing. So, um, and we let them lead. And, and there weren't a lot of other women to look up to in my industry at the time when I was growing up. So that imposter syndrome, that was there for quite a while. But it, there was something that shifted. I don't know what it was, but there was definitely a shift sometime in my 30s where I felt like 
people started to really want to know what I knew or wanted to understand mm. what I'd been through and my journey. And mm. I think also I started to celebrate my own journey about how I got to where I got to. Yeah, so. it almost sounds like you just became confident within yourself. And then that's when that kind of yeah. was kind of like faded away because you're like, I don't need to compare myself because, yeah, I know what I have to bring. And like through all the experience, it's like... Yes. Have you, you know, heard of Saturn Returns? Cause no, is, I don't think I have. Wait, that kind of rings a bell, but I think I haven't. I don't really know what is You it. have to look into this whole Saturn Returns thing. So it the whole premise of Saturn Returns is it's something about the planet Saturn being in exactly the same place that it was on the day that you were born. It takes about 27 years for the planet Saturn. I might get this slightly wrong, by the way, because I'm not an astrologist. <laughs> it takes about 27 years for the planet to cycle, which is why okay. it's Saturn Returns. So think of it as a big circle. And then in that circle, there's everything works in seven year increments. So the first seven years of your life are called like the wonder years. It's sort of Mm. when you are, you know, open to sort of magical things happening. You think of a child, right? Like you're predominantly using the creative side of your brain. Maybe you don't understand things like time and, and so forth. And then seven to 14, I think that's when the other side of your brain kicks in and you start to understand sort of mathematical concepts, Mm. time, like I said. And then 14 um, to 21, I think, is the establishing years. And then that 21 to 28 is when you start sort of formulating who you are as a person. And then at 28, you go through that whole cycle again. So you live through all of those years again. Um, There's something about when you hit 28 and onwards where you start to let go of the things that sort of were perpetuated in the first Saturn returns and you start to become more confident as a person and I often hear stories from my friends about how as a woman you really start to step into your own from about 28 onwards so I feel like the same thing was in business for me after the age of 28 I feel like I really started to step into my own um, and I started to have more confidence and I started to own what I did and I also stopped caring as much about what the peanut gallery were saying in the background, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I stopped listening to people that were the critics and um, the people who said, oh, you shouldn't do a vegan restaurant or it'll never be successful and all of those kind of things. And I said, I'm just going to do what I believe in. I'm going to do yeah. what I think is my path. And from there, I think that's when everything started to change for me. Yeah, it's like when you shift the focus and just focus on like what you want to do and what aligns with you rather than, yeah, because I feel like so many people will have opinions on what will work and what won't. But at the end of the day, I think it's just trusting yourself. And like once you trust yourself and have that, confidence within yourself like you will be able to succeed yeah because you've got to run your own race yeah 100 percent. and yeah, that's you- so interesting what you said about the Saturn return thing because yeah the ages of like one to seven is literally when you begin to learn every like you soak up everything like a sponge right yeah. and like that's you know even now people say like a lot of our we get a lot of our like limiting beliefs from that age because we like we weren't in control of like what we were listening to or what we believed and then as an adult it was our responsibility to actually change those limiting beliefs but like obviously the older we get the harder it is because we're so like ingrained in that mindset but that makes so much sense yeah so apparently every Saturn returns that comes around so every 28 years yeah there are things that will crop up for you naturally and you hear a lot of stories about people at that age sort of um changing career paths like I had a friend 
you know, who went from being in corporate to becoming an airline pilot, which is totally different from what he was doing before. He just walked away from a high-flying corporate career to become a high-flying pilot sort of thing. Um, And I was like, I didn't even know you wanted to fly sort of. So, you know, but you do hear stories, you know, a lot of people have kids around that age, you know, settle down, have families. For me, my Saturn returns, I had a lot of issues with my father um, growing up because he was an absent dad and even issues in in my own relationship with my mom. So I feel like my Saturn returns threw up all of this stuff that I had to deal with. And I feel like if you don't deal with it at that time, you end up having to go through this vicious cycle again for another 28 years. And I'm like, I am not going to go through that in 28 years time. I want to deal with as much crap as I can now. Um, so that's kind of what I did. So, and it was interesting, like all of this bizarre stuff started happening to me around the age of 28 and I was, and I feel like it was put there for me to learn something, let go of some things and to just find that peace to be able to move on successfully into the next phase of my life. Yeah. Wow. That's so crazy how like certain patterns happen in your life. And even when you, when you're conscious of it, I think that's like why the magic happens too, because you're actually allowing yourself to notice it. And then actually do something about it. But yeah, it's about living consciously, really, and yeah. just being really aware of the things around you and looking for those signs, right? Of because I do feel like the universe is always talking to us and telling us things. I mean, it might just be a small little, you know, kick at the caboose every now and again mm-hmm. until you listen to it and it kind of gives you a really big kick up the butt. But um, I do feel like you have to listen to not just yourself, your inner voice, but also the world around you. Yeah. So I noticed that you mentioned about like the universe a couple of times. How did that relationship with you and like the universe and spirituality start? And like what has been, I guess, like key times in your life where you're like, wow, like the universe just shows up for me again and again. And it's always like guiding me in the right direction. Yeah, I've always had this sense of um, trust and belief. And I think that comes through living I think that comes from living through adversity as well uh, and getting through that. Like I had a pretty tough and rough childhood growing up, but we, you know, you, you got through it. And mm-hmm. I just always had a belief that some people say there's either something looking out for you, whether it's your inner self, whether it's something beyond yourself. I don't know where that originally came from. I was never particularly a religious person. I don't know if you're religious or would you consider yourself more spiritual? I would consider myself more spiritual for sure yeah. because saying that is two two two. I don't know if you pay attention to angel numbers, but I just saw that and I was like, you know what? It's aligned. <laughs> <laughs> I literally see angel numbers every day. It's crazy. Oh, um, all the time, all the time. But no, I definitely say I'm more spiritual because I I did like dabble in religion like a little bit like I wasn't raised religious um and I only really got into it because my sister started going to Hillsong Church um I know they originating here but this was back in London um and it's like a Christian church and she was like just come along like see how you feel like she found like a lot of value in it and she's now Christian um and now so is my mum but I would go and like I like really enjoyed it and I really loved like the messages that the pastor would give but I don't know if I ever felt like maybe I will, you know, the more, I don't know, in the future, but I never felt like a real, like a connection to it as much. I don't know if it's because, yeah, I'm not sure. I never really felt like a connection and I didn't feel like it was ever really me. But then when I kind of learned more about spirituality and like the universe and like manifesting and all that kind of stuff, I just feel 
that's connected like, I just feel more connected to it yeah and like I'm definitely open to like religions and stuff like that but I think for me it's kind of like a blend of both so sometimes I'll be like yeah I do believe in God but I also believe in the universe so I guess it's like my own little belief yeah I don't know <laughs> no I think um I mean I wasn't brought up religiously although my mom I would call her a spiritual seeker she mm. was looking for something. There was a gap. There was a space in her life. And I think that's how she first fell into Taoism, which then led us into Buddhism. Um, and that sort of started my journey of exploring both different religions and spirituality. And those sort of early days of vegetarianism and veganism, you're bound to kind of get involved with an alternative crowd. So mm. I found that you know, in my teenage years, I would end up on communes and um, meeting some really interesting people back then who were trying in their own way to find a sense of purpose and meaning in their lives. Um, and so that kind of got me exploring things. And we got quite deep into some of the religions. Like my mom kind of even got involved in a cult at one stage, which was wow. pretty full on. Um, and she spent quite a bit of time in there. So I think I had a lot of influences around spirituality quite early and maybe similar to you, I never felt connected to a religion. Mm -hmm. I never felt, say, God speak to me in a Christian sort of sense, but I mm -hmm. always felt something speak to me, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like a higher power. Like I knew there yeah. was something always there. Yeah. Yeah, but not maybe yeah. not necessarily like one religion. Yeah. And so I think I've taken things from each of my experiences and put them together. And look, at the end of the day, I think when you boil it all down and you take out a lot of the doctrine, you'll find that at the core of things, they're all quite similar. You know, be good, do good, mm -hmm. you know, don't hurt, don't kill, don't, you know, all of those sort of things you know, try to live a charitable life, try to be a good person, you know, don't steal, don't lie. All of those things are foundationally are there within all of these religions as well as spiritual practices. Yeah. They're all just slightly different in the, in the you know, the, the finer details. So I try to live as much of a spiritual life as possible. And I think that plays an important factor in what I do as well. Um, and it influences a lot of the things that I do too. Uh, and it's helped me through my ups and downs, definitely. Yeah. How would you say it's kind of helped you and guide you to make decisions, whether it's business or personal decisions? Like when you say, say, if you're like in a situation where your gut is saying one thing and like maybe it doesn't make sense, but then and, and everyone around you is telling you to go for this one thing because, yeah. you know, it does make sense. Have you ever experienced that and like, been like no I'm just going to trust myself my own intuition and just follow that yeah look I found that um sometimes when I do things because other people want me to do things I don't succeed yeah. uh, and so therefore it's really important in my life to always try and listen to that higher power that inner self uh, and that voice has never guided me wrong and at the times when I have questioned what that voice is saying to me have been the times that I've maybe not done anything and I've just sat there for a moment because it's okay to not action something sometimes, you know, like we, we feel sometimes in life that we, you've got to give an answer. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. We've got a deadline to me and all of that sort of stuff. I mean, deadlines may be something different, but sometimes it's okay. <laughs> <ever> a deadline. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> exactly. But sometimes it's okay to not make a decision on something straight away and to take yeah. a moment to let it unfold in the way that it's meant to unfold. I mean, I've had a couple of business decisions that I've needed to make and I've been umming and erring and not quite sure which is the right direction. And I haven't had the clarity to hear what I think is trying to come through. And in those kind of moments, sometimes I will just pause and I will stop and I will say, okay, if it's not going to fall over, I'm going to wait for a moment and see what unfolds naturally. And often the universe, I guess, will kind of end up unfolding in a way that forces my hand and it, it will end up being the right thing to do sort of thing. So I'm a big believer in listening to that, that higher power and that inner self. I mean, it's, it has never, like I said, it has never done me wrong. I mean, I met my partner by listening to my, you know, inner voice sort of thing. And, you know, it's the greatest relationship of my life. Apart How from did that children. happen? Well, I met my partner on a plane, <laughs> on an aeroplane. Yeah. So I met Chris on an aeroplane. So I was um, living in London at the time. And I have my my nearest and dearest cousin, Dinah, who lives in London, we're the same, we're roughly the same age. We've grown up together and she's got two little kids or she had two little kids back then. And she used to ring me all the time and say to me, you know, oh, I wish you would settle down and meet a nice guy. And um, I want you to have kids so that our kids can grow up the way you and I grew up together. And every time she would call me and say that, I would always say to her, no, I'm fine. I'm really happy where I'm at. But, you know, there was be that little voice in the back of my mind that would sort of crop up and go, but it would be kind of nice to meet somebody that I could share things with. I didn't feel like I had to, but it would have been nice to have had a partner to share my journey with. But I would never voice that. I would just be like, I'm fine. Everything's good. I don't need a man. (laughs) Yeah, I'm fine. And so I was actually, the day I left London to fly back to Australia to live, she rang me up on Skype and she said to me, you know, the same thing she always says to me, I really want you to settle down and meet the right guy and da, 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 da. And so uh, I remember responding to her and saying, it's okay. I'm really in a good space. I'm excited about going back to Australia to live. And for the first time, there was a resounding silence. There was no voice in the back of my mind saying it would be nice. I felt a genuine happiness and peace with where I was at and being single and on my own. It was the happiest moment. I was over the moon. There just wasn't any noise in my soul, so to speak. And, um, and I felt great. I remember getting on that plane going, I feel amazing. And I got on the flight and lo and behold, (laughs) I met my partner on the flight and I'm like, damn it, I didn't even get a chance to enjoy this moment sort of thing. And I remember talking to him on the plane and he's talking to me and I'm jet lagged. I'm super tired. I've been flying for hours and hours. We were transiting through LA. And um, as he's talking to me, all I'm seeing is his mouth moving, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not listening to the words that he's saying. Oh, you're like, can I just have a break? <laughs> I'm not even, it's not, the words of what he's saying is not, it's yeah. not But I hear that inner voice and that voice speaks up and it says that this person is going to play an incredibly important role in your life. Now, I don't know what that's going to be. I didn't know whether it was going to be as a partner, as a friend, as anything at all, you know, or or whether he was going to teach me something that was going to be a pivotal moment that was going to change the trajectory of my existence. I didn't know what that was going to be, but I knew he was going to play this really important, significant role in my life. 
And, um, and I remember getting off that plane, just feeling some kind of way that I'd never felt before and going, I'm super interested to see where this goes. And I think even before I got home, he called me <laughs> from the, from his taxi, he called me when I was in, and my mom picked me up from the airport. He called me and he, he said, I want to see you again. Yeah. Um, let's make this happen sort of thing. And we've been inseparable ever since. And he oh. has played the most important role in my life and has changed the trajectory of the direction I was going in. So I think you have to listen to that inner voice. Yeah, what an amazing love story, honestly. And I think it's so crazy how you said about, you know, the moment when you were like, no, I'm actually okay on my own and I don't need anyone else is when like the universe like, right, cool. And then like send someone your way. Because I hear that all the time. Yeah. Relationships when I, you know, ask people, I'm like, how did you guys meet? Or And they're like, I honestly just was not like, you're not looking. Yeah. And it's like, that is when someone comes in your life because you're so okay and present in your own life. You don't need anyone. But when so, so when someone comes in, it's just like an addition, you know, and yeah. it comes in like a really natural way that just is like attracted to you. Oh, a hundred percent. It is. It, and you'll know that moment. And you think you, you think you're in that moment. I mean, I think there was quite a few times when I was like, yeah. I think I'm good, but it's not until you are in that moment and you actually are good that you go, oh yeah, this is that moment. So how did you feel that like you got to that moment where you just kind of like letting go and just focusing on yourself or? Yeah, I think it was a combination of things. I think that definitely played into it. I think it was also, I had started doing affirmations during my time in London and um, asking the universe for the things that I want um, okay. sort of things. So I had sort of started incorporating into a regular yoga and meditation practice um, asking the universe to give me certain things. And I really do believe that once I started doing that, that though I started receiving the things that I asked for. So one of the things I had asked for was that if I was going to have another person in my life, and that was a big if, because mm-hmm. I, at this point in stage, I was prepared to be fully single for the rest of my life. Like I, you know, I was just, it was a big part. Um, but yeah, I thought if I am going to have somebody in my life, if I am going to meet a person that I'm going to be sharing my time with, that I wanted to meet somebody who would become an equal partner. I think that was the one thing I asked for was equal partnership. I didn't want somebody who would love me more than I loved them. And I didn't want to love somebody more than they loved me. I wanted balance. Um, and I wanted that mutual relationship of respect and friendship and all of those kind of things. I don't think I asked for anything else. I mean, I should have asked for good looking. And that was, <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, I hear you got to be specific. <laughs> super cute. Um, but no, the, the one thing I asked for was a true partnership. Yeah. Um, and somebody that was my equal. And I definitely received that. So I do believe that if you ask, you will receive. You just wow. have to ask. <laughs> Yeah. What What is your practice for when you ask? Is it literally like, you know, can I receive this? Or like, do you have a certain routine around it? Or like, I think it helps to start with journaling. I always think that's a really great way because what you ask for sometimes will change over time. So I often like to sort of flesh things out. I will, mm-hmm. I will usually ask for it during a yoga or meditation practice. Um, I have little affirmation cards that I like to start my practice with. I also like to open and close my practice with some kind of prayer as well. So it will be in that moment that I will ask for those things. So 
um, I might end. And I, okay. One of the other things I love doing in my yoga practice is I don't like to just ask. I like to give as well. So I always yeah. make sure that I'm giving energetically to those around me, whether it's just, you know, having the time to give some thought, um, to other people or maybe what they're going through or I guess in a way and and people who are religious will relate to it it's just prayer at the end of the day it's a kind of prayer I just happen to do mine in my yoga practice and that's when I ask to give and that's when I ask to receive yeah I love that that was a long answer wasn't it no no it's a good answer because I think it's so true it's like not only it's not just about receiving it's what you give as well and I love that I love the fact that you said that you know, you want to give and whether it's in your yoga practice and it's like the people around you and being mindful of that, like yeah. I think that helps. Because when you give and you're giving off that energy and it's like good vibrations, that's what kind of circles back to, it just all circles back, right? What you give, you get, so. Yeah, exactly. I do think you have to put out what you want to receive as well. Karma is a really big thing in Mm. my life. So I think the reason, you know, like I've had some success in my business and in my life is perhaps karmically, you know, I try to do a business that, and I don't do it for the good karma. I just want to make sure that people are aware of that, but that happens to be a side effect of it. You know, we've we've got a successful business that has an ethos of do no harm. And so I think that has been a huge part of our long-term success, right? At the end of the day. So I, I do believe that, you know, you've got to treat people the way you want to be treated, even if, even if it's not always to your benefit, um, you need to always hold yourself accountable in being the best version of yourself that you can be on a regular basis. Yeah, I love that. Okay, I'm going to ask you one last question. Yes. Um, what does living holistically mean to you and how do you implement this in your daily life? Living holistically for me is about being in tune with your soul, being in tune with your body, Um, and being in tune with your life and the things around you. So um, holistically is about all different aspects, right? And just making sure that you're, that you are looking at all different parts of your life and ensuring that you are both feeding as well as giving of those things from yourself in those areas that help fulfill you and help you become a better person at the end of the day. So I think whether it's the food that you eat, whether it's the people that you surround yourself with, you know, because it's so important that you surround yourself with good people as well. Um, we can't do vampire friends. There are people, you know, um, you know, to, so, you know, food, friendships, relationships, work, um, spiritual practice, all of those things, health as well. All of those things have to come into play and fun as well. Yeah. Make sure you have fun in your life. Um, that's super important as well. And then just being able to recognize um, all of those things and and live a more conscious life that to me is being super holistic yeah I love that it's like a 360 you have to be in everything a hundred percent and like I said you're always going to be chasing that right like it's never going to be perfect in every single quadrant Mm -hmm. but you have to live consciously in recognizing you know um what areas need a bit more work and also recognizing why you're doing the things that you're doing um so when I say live consciously you know are you doing things because you've been brought up that way? Are you doing things because society expects you to be that way? Um, this can be particularly truthful when it comes to women and how we view ourselves in society and so forth. You know, are we doing these things um, 
consciously because it's a choice. Am I voting for this um, political party because my whole family votes for this political party? So question everything that you do. Look at every quadrant in your life. Never stop learning. Never stop growing. Never stop being curious. And, you know, focus on as many different things that make you happy at the end of the day. Yeah, I love that. And just staying true to yourself and literally making decisions based on how you feel and not because yeah. you, you have to or because it's always been that way I think that has probably been like yeah that's probably my biggest advice too is just to stay aligned with yourself and do things for you and not not because you feel like you have to yeah and don't don't listen to people that try and bring you down you know mm-hmm. at the end of the day I mean you have to run your own race don't compare yourself with the next door neighbor with the other girl on Instagram you know all of that kind of step of stuff it, it's at the end of the day it's not important you just have to find your own place and your own happiness and then the people and the things that bring you joy will naturally come to you You will start to attract those things to you like attracts like so yeah. you will start to meet other people who um, who have the same belief system or who enjoy doing the same things that you do. I mean, it's like, how did I get to meet you, right? Like yeah, at the yeah. end of the day, another Leo who sees the same numbers <laughs> all the time. So it was meant to be. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. And like when you are truly yourself, it's true. Like the people that are around you, they are around you because of your true self. Whereas if you're acting a different way because you feel like that's how people want to see you or you think that's how they like to see you. you're not acting like your true self so you're always gonna have to be you're always gonna have to you know be like you're acting like someone else and putting on this mask and they might not even like the true you because you're not acting like it so always like yeah being truthful to yourself and that's what you're going to attract to no, exactly. And I mean, I feel like our conversation is going to be like a whole nother podcast session or you I and know. I go out and have a coffee and sit down and chat about 10 million other things because there's yeah. so many things that we didn't cover. But it's been so much fun chatting to you today. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And I want to end the podcast on giving our listeners a little challenge of the week. So at the end of the podcast, I like to just give a little challenge of the week to our listeners, something that's going to help them start the week on a good foot or just kind of become more mindful of their action. So do you have a challenge of the week that you can give our listeners? Oh, a challenge of the week. Um, I am challenging myself at the moment. So it might be a good thing to challenge other people to this. I am going through a breath challenge this week. So what I have found is that I have a tendency to be a chest shallow breather and I hold my breath. And I tend to be reactionary to things sometimes in the moment. So my challenge for myself this week, and I don't know if this is a good one for other people, but um, my challenge at the moment is to stop and breathe and to practice breathing throughout the day. So I currently have like a little timer that goes off on my phone and I'm taking time out every time it goes off to just take a moment and to deep breathe and to center myself and then Mm -hmm. to continue on with what I'm doing. It's it's super embarrassing because I was having a conversation with someone the other day and my alarm went off and I had to go, excuse me for a moment and step away and start breathing. But just, <laughs> just do a deep breath practice for an entire week and see if that makes a difference in centering you. And if you have a moment that is challenging or difficult um, or you get upset with something, instead of reacting instantly, just take a moment to take five deep, deep breaths and center yourself. Yeah, no, I love that challenge. I'm actually going to do that. And I love the advice about setting your alarm so you actually remember to, because I'm conscious about that, even if it's a midday reset, doing like a quick meditation or something, but actually setting an alarm on your phone like forces you to do that. So 
Yeah, but I love do it. Do a, do a breath challenge for the week and, and yeah. let us know how you go. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And our listeners can like write into us and see how they feel as well. Exactly. But thank you so much for your time. I feel like, you know, there's so many other things that we could chat about. But, um, yeah, you've been so generous with time and it was so interesting to hear more about your story. And yeah, thank you so much. Well, I can't wait to see you next time. Thanks thank for you. having me. Thank you. Bye.